get so embarrassed when I have to like start singing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know why it's like I'm performing to an audience as you if I'm are, performing to actually. an audience, right? <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's as if, right? <clears throat> Eu quis dizer, você não quis escutar. Agora não peça, não me faça promessas. Eu não quero dizer, nem quero acreditar que vai ser diferente, que tudo mudou. Você diz não saber o que houve de errado e o meu erro foi crer que ficar ao seu lado bastaria. bastaria. Ah, meu, ah, meu Deus, Deus, era, era tudo, tudo que, eu que eu queria Eu dizia seu nome, não me abandone jamais Stephanie was dancing all throughout the song You guys have to believe me She, We yes. were here, like, bopping up I was pulling my best <laughs> Kelly Kapoor moves <laughs> She was, she was my sister I wish you guys had, a, had the, like the, Kelly, the video, so. the camera Yeah. Anyway, hi, welcome to Suspiria A True Crime Podcast I'm Carol. And I'm Stephanie. And I yes. told you we'd be back. You didn't believe me, but I told you. If there's one thing that's true in this universe is that we're always <laughs> gone, but we always come back to. We always come Always, back. every single time. You're not going to get rid of us that easy. Law yeah. school, you're not going to get the best of us. So what's new with you, Carol, <laughs> since our last episode? Uh, dude, not, nothing really. It's crazy, right? I mean, I'm sure there's something, but nothing, I think, worth mentioning. Same. <laughs> yeah. my, my routine is the same every day. Wake up, go to class, lay on the couch, go to sleep. That's a dream. That, that is. It, it was a dream of mine. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, this is my dream coming true, <laughs> believe it or not. So you don't get to complain about it ever. Yes, <laughs> yes. She doesn't I complain, cannot complain about it. Complain. Yeah. And I think it's funny, uh, yesterday I was talking to my mom, mm -hmm. and she was telling me that, like, yesterday she worked a lot less than every other day during the week, but she mm -hmm. was way more tired. And I'm like, yeah, mom, when I have one class, I'm exhausted. But then on Tuesday, that I have, like, two million classes for 12 hours, I'm like, yeah, let's do this. We can do it. Like, it's so weird. I think it's an adrenaline type of thing. Like, you prepare yourself and you need... If your body like computes like you more energy and so you feel more energetic but then yeah. these days it's like yeah today's easy easy peasy then you're like you yeah, know <laughs> yeah anyways what are we talking about today Stephanie? yes in today's episode we are turning our eyes once again to our home country of brazil Ooh. and since this is a true crime podcast you probably already know that we're not going to talk about the beautiful brazilian beaches or the scenery you know all that stuff that you see in movies no 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 no. today we'll talk about yet another case of femi feminicide feminicide and impunity mm -hmm. we will be discussing the murder of journalist sandra gomidi at the hands of her ex-boyfriend also journalist antonio marcos pimenta neves which You'll see, sometimes we'll refer to him as Antonio and sometimes as Pimenta. People knew him as Pimenta Nevis. Mm -hmm. That's very common to be known by like your last name. Yeah. yeah like here, you know. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> From explaining these trivial things. <laughs> Anyways, our outline is based on our sources from Folha de São Paulo, Terra, Isso é, O Globo, Jus Brasil, Jornal do Brasil, Boston.com. 
Compromisso e Atitude, UERJ, Jornal da Paraíba, Diário do Nordeste, Guia-me, Investigação Criminal, which is amazing, the mm -hmm. documentaries, etc., from ID, Pimenta Neves, uma reportagem, and, of course, of course, of course, of course. Wikipedia. Wikipedia, for yeah. dates names such, always. I and also remember what we say on each on each like podcast because we have the the fixed like words that we say every time <laughs> on things and I I was like what do we say what do we say here how do we do this no but I I was going to say this book Pimenta Neves uma reportagem mm -hmm. which I totally bought it I I one hundred percent bought this book Stephanie does, doesn't do anything illegal I don't do anything illegal mm -mm. um so. It was a really cool book because it had a lot of like background information that like I didn't find anywhere else. But literally, I felt like 300 pages were just about him. So you'll see mm. that I cut off a lot about him because like we don't care about this motherfucker. So mm -hmm. I'm just saying. So starting out, Sandra Gomidi was born on October 17th, 1967 in Sao Paulo. She lived with her family in the Vila Moraes neighborhood up until 1982 when they moved to Vila Mariana. Throughout her childhood, she was known for her love of reading. She could read from fictional books to the dictionary or just look at maps, and she dreamed of places she would visit someday. As she grew into a young woman, she was considered attractive, funny, and the type of person that you don't forget after meeting them. She was close to her parents, but definitely closer to her dad. She cons constantly spoke of him to her friends and always had one of her dad's stories to tell people. She was... No, I'm not going to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just daddy's little girl. Come on, sorry. Carol. I was uh, no, my there's some things that are off girl. limits to my mouth that I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Carol, you need to stop being so perverted okay no i'm not I'm not talking about perversion i'm talking about my own issues i'm sorry <laughs> anyway so sandra enrolled in the faculdade casper libero in 1986 mm -hmm. where she majored in communications that's just same just year. in case you don't know about college culture in sao paulo casper libero is the the college for like communications and languages and like journalism etc etc See, it's careful. Care can be useful sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the same year uh, that she enrolled in college, she received some money from her parents to help her purchase her first car. Because in mm. case you don't know, in Brazil, you can't drive until you're 18. So typically, you, you know, start driving when you go to college, if you go to college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a blue 1986 Beetle. It wasn't a flashy car or anything like that. It was quite the opposite. But it symbolized a new chapter in her life. She mm -hmm. was now independent. She could drive herself wherever she pleased. And she took very, very good, ca good care of that little Beetle up until the time she sold it to get a new car. Mm. During her sophomore year of college, she began interning for IBM, and the offices were so close to where she lived that she could walk there if she wanted to. A few months after landing that internship, she moved out of her town to an apartment located in the same street where her parents lived. She, 
sorry, she moved out of on her own, not out of the town, because I was like, she's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. Don't want to see it. It was <laughs> it was a modest place, but she called it home. In one of its bedrooms, she set up an office with her desk and several of her books. At the internship, she was tasks. She was tasked. Oh my god. At the internship, she was tasked with rather boring duties. Of course, she's an intern. She had to read. <clears throat> she had to read magazines and newspapers and clip articles related to computers that mentioned IBM, IBM by name. She became friends with her supervisor at IBM, Vanilla Bet, who said that Sandra sometimes would slack off a bit due to the boring nature of the job. Vanilla remembers that when she would chastise Sandra, the woman would look at her as if she was a, a defenseless animal, and the that reminded her of like the Disney character Bambi. She would like make the Bambi eyes yeah. <laughs> at the boss. That's cute. From then onwards, Vanilla started calling Sandra Bambi. Yeah, that's very mm-hmm. cute. And they were friends for like several years. Mm. So in 1989, Sandra landed another internship. This time, it was at Gazeta Mercantil, which is an economics newspaper, where she focused on legislation. She also she had also briefly interned at Folha de São Paulo after mm-hmm. leaving IBM. Uh, and since she was a recent grad, it was expected that she would do mo- the most mundane tasks at the paper, because mm-hmm. that's what they do with yeah. new grads. So nothing that she was writing was exactly like headline worthy she wrote pieces on changes in legislation questions related to income tax and things Mm -hmm. that don't really generate a lot of buzz she would maintain a job at gazeta for the next five years but it didn't really seem like she had a lot of growth opportunities in that area of journalism her professional life was definitely stable but she also felt a little bit stuck it was there that she would meet her boss and future boyfriend, Pimenta Neves. Let's talk about him, okay? Antonio Marcos Pimenta Neves was born February 13th, 1937, in Batatais, São Paulo. Also known as Potato Place, São Paulo. <laughs> his father was a teacher and his mom was a homemaker. His dad had a fascination with politics and even became the town mayor in 33. He was well-liked by the public and the town would name one of his streets after him years later. The Nevis children had a good childhood being in touch with nature, horseback riding, and obviously studying since their dad placed a lot of importance on that. Antonio loved horses but loved dogs. Why does it always take so long for my computer to scroll down? And it's always in the middle of a sentence. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll make it. I'll make it. And I can I don't do this. Make it. No, bitch, you can't. Antonio loved horses, but he loved dogs even more. He was always looking for a dog to pet. His, other, his older brother, Newton, left the town, got married, and moved to Capivari, where he made Antonio's uh, propensity for introspection a bit stronger. I guess since now he wouldn't have anyone to talk to. It would impact his life as much as a tragedy that would soon follow when his oldest sister died at the age of 17 after falling out of a window. There were rumors that she had died by suicide, which were dismissed by the medical examiners. But that's still a question, uh, not only in Antonio's mind, about, but uh, also in other people's. The family then moved to Araraquara, where the father, José, bought a house and started teaching Portuguese and English 
at the Instituto de Educación Bento de Abreu, where the wealthiest children of the town were studying. Hmm. Um, in the early 50s, Antonio and his friends formed a little group that focused on their cultural interests. So think of it like the Finer Things Club in the office, <laughs> but in the 50s. <laughs> they talked about poetry, philosophy, arts, and cinema. Antonio himself dreamed about becoming a filmmaker, actually. He would go on to graduate the College of Law of Uspi, but found himself at home in the editor's room of the Uchmaora newspaper where he wrote anything from political pieces to movie critics. His father was very unhappy with this whole story, and he told him that he would only be a relevant journalist if he became the director of Estadón, and that there was no way Antonio would get there. So you, you're only worth anything if you're the top of the top of the top, if you are the absolute you know, best in the industry. Otherwise, don't even bother. Exactly. And you shouldn't bother because you're not good enough. That is a very healthy feeling. That's a very healthy parent. That's, That's an amazing thing right to tell your kid. Like, oh, of course. Yeah. And uh, his dad also said that uh, Antonio's law degree could bring him a successful career, which his work as a reporter most certainly wouldn't. Hmm. Now, there's a lot we can tell you about his career, but honestly, but we honestly feel like this would elevate him to a level like of intellectual that he most certain, certainly doesn't deserve here. So we are like cutting things a little short because all you need to know is that he worked here in the U.S. for a few years and he was recognized for his professional abilities before, for his professional abilities before moving back to Brazil in 1995 where he would find work where but Gazeta Mekanchu. The newspaper began be, the newspaper began its decline with the announcement of the Plano Real, which fucked literally like <laughs> everyone simultaneously like in Brazil. But anyways, the Plano Real would would um forever change Brazilian economics, which again is not the focus of this podcast. So we're not accredited economics. We we can't really explain exactly what it was to you, but it, it was bad. So we'll just leave it at this, right? It's all you know. Yeah, shortly after beginning it's his job at Gazeta, he noticed Sandra in the editor's room. Mm-hmm. I believe in magic. She's gonna get murdered. He felt that she was very smart, a fast learner, and her talents could be better used within a newspaper. So get her out of the room. He called her into his office, which made her very worried since that usually was not a good sign. Like, obviously, he complimented her talent and told her that she was building a new team and that he planned on naming her a special reporter for one of the sections. Sandra, Sandra was over the moon. Over the moon with this. Yeah, can you imagine? Like, you've been working at this place for, like, not five-ish that. years yeah. now, just doing the same thing every single day. And here comes the new boss, and he's telling you, oh, you're going to be on my special task force. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, Sandra's life finally seemed to be going the right direction, and it wasn't just her. Her Her brother had gotten married, and he had two daughters. Her parents, after so many years of hard work, finally achieved financial stability. And, like, now her efforts at work were finally being recognized. Can it get better than this? Well, 
On February 13, 1996, the journalist at Gazeta set up a party for Pimenta Neves' 59th birthday. It was at this party where the man and Sandra started flirting with each other. Hmm. About a month after that, he was invited to an important economic event in Uruguay, and he decided to invite Sandra to come along with him. She accepted that's the invitation. Nice. Hmm? So that's nice. Yeah. She accepted the invitation and went along as an editor. Um, between meetings, they visited like several different spots in Montevideo, and he bought her gifts. But what I got from this... Um, from the sources was that even though he bought her, her a couple of gifts, they weren't like involved, involved yet. Mm. He was like trying to, you know, gain her favor. Um, a few days later, he told his employees that he would attend the national forum in Rio de Janeiro, where he again asked Sandra to accompany him along with journalist Roberto Baraldi so they mm. could cover the event. While in Rio, after dinner, Sandra made the first move and kissed him. <gasps> yeah. Sandra hadn't actually dated a lot throughout her 28 years of life. Although she did envision herself married with children, she wasn't really what you would call a romantic person. Her familiar aspirations could be seen as more of a goal and not like a dream. She had professional ambitions, but was also very humble. In the beginning of their relationship, the couple didn't really disclose anything to their co-workers, but it would be rather hard to hide this from f journalists, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, their job is to, like, find yeah, these out. Huh. They're, they're these people on, on the lookout. Pimenta would tell his friends that he had found the, quote, best economics reporter in the country, while Sandra was... Also excited about the relationship, although she did ask her friends uh, several times if they didn't think that the man was a little too old for her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I think he was 31 years older than her. Over um, 30 years older than her. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, Sandra knew that she didn't have as much experience as the renowned female editors who held similar positions to hers. So she decided to pursue a master's degree at the Fundação Instituto de Pesquisas Econômicas, you know, so she could, whenever people were like, oh, you're not qualified, she'd be like, well, actually, mm -hmm. bitch. Anyway, so Pimenta planned on transforming her from girl next door to an important journalist with refined taste. And this, you all know, this is very problematic. If you get into a relationship thinking that you're going to change who the person is, like, maybe don't date them. Yeah, that's never a good idea. Yeah. So he encouraged her to... Uh, oh, no, no, no. Just kidding. A former mm. co-worker of theirs would even say that he was trying to build someone that he envisioned in his social... Being in his social and cultural level. Again, oh, so I get it. I get it. You date someone who is younger because you're like, oh, this... I don't like this, but there's potential. She's young. She's only 28. It's not like she's a grown woman yet. She's only 28. Yeah, so then let I can me change mold everything her about her. It's just clay, right? That's how it works. She doesn't have her feelings, emotions, and life history. It's not like she's 28. Yeah, no. Like, this is literally a Build-A-Bear factory. You oh, yeah, can just go there and build your girlfriend. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, 
So he encouraged her to study English, but not only to learn how to communicate in English, he wanted her to be fluent in English. <laughs> and Sandra really wanted to please him, so she made her best efforts, which obviously there is a power imbalance here. Hello, mm -hmm. there your age gap. This is not me saying I'm against age gaps. I'm just saying that you have to recognize there's type of stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, like of course, first of all, not only was he older and rich, he was her boss. <laughs> so, Ooh, yeah, she's gonna do everything she can to mm -hmm. please this guy. And also, P.S. It's not that wanting to. It's not that it's impossible to learn how to speak English in a fluent level when you're older, when you're not living outside of the, of the country, but like comparing your fluency like that guy probably spoke yeah okay, his dad english, was an english like, teacher so yeah english teacher like lived outside of the u.s versus someone who i don't know what her english level was but she's not living in the u.s she's not like she doesn't have those aspirations probably i don't know so like why why would <laughs> why 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 do you need to put that much energy in it why just because speaking english makes you a better person makes you a human what is it monolinguals are it? the worst i guess i guess following english pimenta wanted sandra to be interested in equestrianism she was he wanted he wanted her to become a horse girl yeah why th why don't he just go to any like ipica out there they can just go and find the English-speaking horse girl. Like, they're you can there. literally they go to the jockey club and find it, her. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, jockey club. I said Ipica. No, you can just go anywhere. <laughs> they, those girls out there, dude. Yeah. She wasn't really a sporty type of person, but he began taking her to the jockey club and insisted that she would own horses and follow horse races. Do you know how much a horse costs, sir? Some horses are expensive. News, breaking news. You have a new hobby. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, yes. We are dating and now you have to like heavy metal. <laughs> the the encouragement coming from him was so big that she brought a horse called Osen. Osen will be the will be housed at the um Harasechi. Which was near dude, this sounds so familiar, Harasechi. Anyways. She was um the, so the horse was housed in Harasechi, which was near a ranch that her parents owned, and he would be cared for by the owners, Dilmar and Malay Sech. The Pimenta would later bring his horse, Kese, to the Haras, and Sandra would buy a mare, Mar? Mare? Called, mare. mare called Pachina. She spent around 1,600 reais a month to care for these animals that she didn't even want. That's a shitload of money. Yeah. Especially in the fucking 90s. Especially the, right the after. The minimum wage. This is over the minimum wage in 2020. Especially right after the president has drained everyone's bank account. Exactly. <laughs> right? Dude. I don't know. It's not like... I feel like having hobbies in common and stuff and like having someone who's really involved in something. Like I'm married to someone who loves cars and all. He doesn't say that i need a lot of cars and he doesn't go like carol you need to learn every single thing and you need to know what a truck is and what a car is differences etc but like i mean i guess there is like a little bit of like you know you want to be involved in someone's life and stuff 
but yeah, like but it's not like matt it's out here like carol you know let's talk about cars what do you think and i'm like i don't know you know it, it's something that like you know he's interested in and i'm interested in him so like you know whatever but like making the person own horses these are animals this is this is a living thing that she's buying yeah no like as someone who has been in a relationship where i wouldn't say i was forced to like things but i was strongly encouraged to like things yeah, and it, it just made that. me this is why i hate fucking breaking that and seinfeld so anyway yeah because you're not because mm-hmm. of themes of the show but because you're made to watch it yeah know? exactly yeah it's fucked it's fucked man like i don't know again i like true crime and sometimes we watch the occasional documentary together and sometimes it'll be like oh today we covered the murders of john list do you know john list matt and i'll tell him the story in like five words and then he'll be like wow that's fuck and i'll be like yeah but that's how it goes i don't make him watch listen yeah, to the two podcasts and stuff. Like you know like, what I mean? okay matt you're gonna sit here and you're gonna watch every single episode of forensic files and i want a five-page summary on Matt, I'm gonna show you all the autopsy photos. <laughs> yes, you have to look at it. <laughs> like, jeez. Uh, anyways, people are the worst. Where was I? Anyways, uh, he brought the blah 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 blah. But China, six hundred. Send it with us later. Buy a pickup truck where she could tow a little box to transport the animals. Like you know those uh, carry carry on whatever animal trailer yeah nightmare everything she hesitated at first but she found herself genuinely happy around the horses yeah you got you're attached i guess yeah which is good but like can you imagine like there's people who genuinely do not like animals Mm -hmm. and you don't make him like animals for you because it's that's a flaw that's a flaw in their character not not commenting on something specifically but like she's from sao paulo you know how many horses we have in sao paulo (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not a lot you know how many trucks we have in sao paulo like <laughs> yeah our, no. our streets are not wide enough for trucks then this girl is out here with the truck no her her co-workers said that like sometimes she would <laughs> drive in to work like after going to the studs and like she was all dressed up like a cowgirl with her little truck and they'd be like you don't belong here jumping <laughs> <laughs> out here like fucking <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah yeah so pimenta's plan of transforming sandra was really working he took her on a first class business trip to rome which was paid for by the newspaper once in europe he also took her to england and france where they explored art museums and shopped a lot they did a lot of shopping he focused on buying her clothes clothes Clothes, replacing her oh, jeans and t-shirts okay. for silk. I thought clothes. you were saying cloaks, like cloaks, like buying no, cloaks. No, no clothes, not <laughs> I clothes. Like, I mean, maybe he bought her vampire. clothes too. I don't know. Oh, he bought sorry, her uh, silk clothing, jewelry, an expensive gold watch, and um, he had her get a new haircut mm. too, so she could look more elegant or whatever. Um, and she tried her best to appear older so as to not call a lot of attention to the age gap between them. And she even dyed her a few of her strands. Like, if you see a few pictures of her, she dyed a few of her, the hair strands in front of her head uh, lighter 
than her usual dark color. That way, it would people would think that she was graying, but she wasn't. It was like hair dye. I don't know what to say. Yeah, and like if you look at her, we'll post pictures of her. Like she very clear. She doesn't even look like she's over twenty five. <laughs> so there's that. And she was like five feet tall too. So. <sighs> I mean, it's it's always so refreshing to see like a relationship like that that you just so, someone who's focused on breaking you down, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. No, oh, this is awful. Some some coworkers like Claudia Bergamasco observed that Sandra changed not only physically, but her attitude also changed a lot. She was friendly, humble, and well liked before. She started coming across as rather snobby and tried to appear powerful around her co- her coworkers. According to Claudia, she started to be friendly only to people who she saw as useful and pretty much ignored everyone else. Sandra also took advantage of how much she could get away with things at work because she was being the boss. She would take longer lunch breaks, mess with people's PTOs, and clock out whenever she wanted to. Cesar Valente, who worked at Gazeta, said that she was the boss's girlfriend. Whoever whoever clashed with Sandra wouldn't last very long in the paper. Yeah. And, like, I, I felt it was important to include this. And not because this is, like, something negative about her. But just so you can see how much someone's influence can change you. She probably didn't realize that. Well... To an extent, she probably didn't realize that she was becoming a little bit bitchy. Uh, but it's just things that happen. Like, even my mom tells me uh, that when I was in a relationship, I was one way. And then, like, after the relationship ended, I was completely different. And while I was in the relationship, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Like, this is totally fine. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, I totally believe that. Like, like, depending to the people that you're, like, around and stuff, it really changes the way you're acting and, like, it changes you. I, I really believe that, so. And that's not, I mean, it's not her fault, honestly, like, you know. Yeah, she was being manipulated. Yeah, exactly, so. So, uh, however, it seems like it wasn't just Sandra's relationship with her co-workers that was troubled. Her relationship with Pimenta was also going downhill. He was extremely possessive of her, both in her private and her professional life. He would throw a fit if anyone at work would joke around her or seem too close to her. Mm. Their relationship was a roller coaster where she would call him P if they were on good terms. Not P like urine, P like P-I. That's how you pronounce it in Portuguese. Or she would call him Antonio whenever they argued. She maintained a friendship with her ex-boyfriend, Luis Enrique Amaral, and she frequently called him to talk about her professional life since he was also a journalist. I believe he worked at Folha de São Paulo. Or she would call him and talk about her fights with Pimenta. Several of her co-workers thought that she might be rekindling the flame with Luis because she called him at work and people could overhear her conversations. Oh. And obviously, the gossip reached Pimenta, who began surveilling her, even closer from then onwards. He had her followed by a driver of Gazeta, and when she confronted him about that, he demoted her to a position that typically went to students. (gasps) 
After this, they traveled together, and when they came back, she was an editor yet again. This is a healthy situation, man. Very healthy. This is healthy. The employees at Gazeta didn't think the choice was wise. Even the ones closer to her, because she wasn't experienced enough to in leadership positions and frankly didn't really know much about the area so why is she an editor Mm -hmm. yeah why is she heading this entire department yeah (laughs) however obviously no one said anything people didn't want to be fired obviously every time they fought pimento demoted her and she was even and that was even an instance where he transferred her to a position that was already occupied, forcing a woman who previously occupied it to become a reporter in a completely different sector. It's not even it's not even that you are dealing with like relationship bullshit and poor Sandra, this is a roller coaster. This is not good on her. Not good I think mental health wise. This is not cool. This is not good. It's not only that that he makes her go through all this, but he makes everyone in the newspaper go through Yeah, everybody's this. involved in, in this relationship, even though it's my relationship. Yes. Where's his boss? To demote him. Where's his boss? Well, his boss is clearly not watching because he's the head of the entire thing, so... I don't care. I want, <laughs> I want accountability. When they, pick, when they patched things up, there went Sandra against her position as an editor. And guess what happened to the position that uh, she had taken? It was vacant for a while. That woman did not come back. Poorly. Yeah, like, if, 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 imagine that there's, like, an accounting um, department and an mm-hmm. HR department. So you took her from accounting and put her in HR and fired the HR lady or, like, sent the HR lady elsewhere, and then you're like, oh no, Sandra, come back to accounting. And now there's no HR lady, and people are just like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> like, Anyway, so by 1997, people at Gazeta were understandably fed up with Pimenta and his leadership decisions, especially when it came to Sandra. He clashed with several other directors around the paper, and he even suggested that one of them should be stripped of his position. Oh. And they were like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you literally got here two years ago. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, lucky for him, though, his childhood friend, Marco Antonio Rocha, worked at the Estadão, and he was trying his best to paint Pimenta as a great professional. Because he wanted Pimenta mm-hmm. to come work there too. So he would tell people like, oh, he's so good. He did this and that. He worked in the U.S. and he was this and blah, blah, blah. And after some investigation from the board of directors, Pimenta's references were stellar. Because although like there were rumors about his lack of professionalism when he came to Sandra, not a lot of people were willing to speak up mm-hmm. <laughs> on those things. So yeah, like when the CV matters more, like no one's gonna write, yeah, like, you know, exactly. relationship issues on his file, I guess. Exactly. And so in August of that year, nineteen ninety-seven, he began working as a director at Estadão. His mm. father had already passed away, so he couldn't see that the one thing he doubted his son could achieve actually happened. Who would have thought? Oh, how the turntables? Who would have thought? And Pimenta would eventually find a way to get Sandra a job at Estadão too. Because this woman cannot have a day of peace in her life. She cannot. She cannot. 
She cannot. She cannot. I, uh, you know what? I do. Uh, I thought I like. I tried to find information on this, and I couldn't. But I imagine what it was like for her staying at the other newspaper after he left. It must have been so awkward. It must have been. Oh my god. It must have been so yeah. awkward. And like it took a while for him to take her to the other newspaper too. So she was working at the previous place. Can you imagine? I mean, I I would imagine that no one really like probably no one gave her like too much of a hard time cuz they don't I feel like they would cuz Brazilians are petty. <laughs> I know, but like what you're talking about Estado. Estado is like the biggest new p- newspaper in Sao Paulo for sure, if not in the country. So, no, but like, I'm talking you don't about wanna... her working at Gazeta after he left Gazeta. No, I know, but like he he's on Estado, right? Yeah. And so having like my boss just moved up to Estado, right? Like he he could bring. He could recommend you. He could, like, you know, remember true, you true, as a good true. worker. So, like, you don't want to burn bridges by, like, messing with the girlfriend, you know? So, I, I would, like yeah, I would, would say paid. that it probably was awkward and probably she was getting, like, you know, weird looks and stuff. But I wouldn't think that that was anything, like, serious happening because Gazeta, honestly, who, who cares about Gazeta? Yeah, <laughs> you know like. I mean? So, yeah. I mean, it's not not too small of a newspaper, but, like, you know. It's an economics paper, whereas yeah. the Stadon is, like, everything. a newspaper. Everything. <laughs> you know? Stadon everything, yeah. For the next few years, the relationship between the two continued to seesaw, as one would expect. They broke up several times and made up just as many times. According to Sandra's brother, Newton, Newton, Pimenta was so controlling that he would even try to control when people went to lunch. Fucking Dwight Schrute over here. <laughs> he also described the man as very cold and depressive, and he didn't really partake in social events, which was the opposite of Sandra. He broke her into... He broke, he broke into her apartment once and hid behind a set of curtains. And it took her a while to realize that he was there. Can you imagine that? Oh my god. That's like my biggest nightmare. Now that I live alone, well, there's only one entrance to my house. And there's a camera there, so don't even try. Don't even don't try. Don't even try. But, uh, uh, if, like... No, that's very scary. I've seen so many, not even no, just horror movies, like... Richard Ramirez used to do shit so like crazy. this. Like, like, the fact that you're just breaking into your girlfriend's apartment and just, like, standing there. behind the curtains. And the only reason she realized that he was there is because she saw, like, shoes and she was like, what the fuck? And then she pulled the curtains and she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, All I can think about is, like, friends that have that episode that Ross was hiding behind the curtain. And, like, someone goes, I think it's Rachel. It's like, don't look back. There's a man behind the curtain. There's a man hiding behind there. And it's like, she knows that he's there, but it's like, uh, obviously, there is someone hiding behind the curtain, right? I but it was not probably not episode, there. Yeah. So. I mean, it's just a, f- a comical situation, a very, very weird moment of someone's life. I'm sorry, Sandra. Newton also said that, Newton, I mean, the brother, uh, also said that Pimenta rented the apartment across from Sandra's and he had set, he set up a camera there so he could watch her every move. Yeah. He also monitored her internet accounts and had her telephone tapped. What is wrong with this person? 
I would be so pissed if someone moved, like, the apartment right across from mine. I would be so pissed. Yeah, no, but I don't think she knew it for a while. I think it took <gasps> her a while to, like, find out that he was wa- literally watching her. That's so fucked. Yeah, and um, if, I'm cor- um, if I'm remembering correctly, she didn't know that her phones were tapped. I think it was after everything that happened. The police did an investigation mm, and they found out, they but found he, out that- he denied mm. it. He was like, no, I didn't do that. Hmm. As he would. Yeah. It was the horses. Yeah. So, Neil Don, her brother, would find out just how controlling Pimenta really was when he visited a house that the man had bought with the intention of living there with Sandra. The house was very, very dark. It looked like straight out of a horror movie. And it appeared that no one lived there since it was, like, in pristine condition. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have seen... A lot of houses in my life and I know people even like my aunt she will, will literally clean her house from the time she wakes up until she goes to bed so like her house is so clean that like if your food falls on the floor you can pick it up and eat it because it's that clean mm. but you can still tell that people live there yeah so when he asked his sister you know how can you live in this house Sandra told him that people couldn't touch a thing in the house and that if you move the cup, Pimenta would start yelling at you. The house had to look like it wasn't lived in. Sandra's sister-in-law, uh, Regina, advised her, you know, of the toxic nature of the relationship. She mm-hmm. was like, you need to end things with this dude before you get into trouble. And Sandra was like, well, I'm already in trouble. I, I will never find work again in Brazil. Like, he will call every reporter and like this is not going to happen and she was like i want to leave the country that's so scary like when you realize that you are in a like abusive relationship and you got to make the plans but also someone who is in a position of power like that you know yeah yeah so the couple they broke up for good in june of 2000 she made that was sure that she had another man and so he fired her from estado that's a great reason yeah, and like he fired her, and he obviously didn't tell people the reason why mm-hmm. he fired her. But he like started telling people because you remember Vaspi, right? Yeah, Vaspi was an airline in Brazil, whatever. But I read an article where it said that he started telling people that she had like misrepresented information in a piece about Vaspi, which she like didn't do. Mm-hmm. So he was like. Yeah, I had to fire her because she did this. Anyways, from then onwards, Pimenta did what he could to turn Sandra's life into a living hell by stalking her, following her around, tarnishing her reputation, and reaching out to several journalists, advising them not to hire her. So exactly what she had Mm -hmm. predicted happened. On August 5th, two weeks before her murder, Pimenta Pimenta broke into Sandra's apartment where they argued and he became physical with her. She filed a police report against him. For the next 10 days, she had been seen around with a bodyguard. But after the police report, she didn't want to make things even more serious and aggravate Pimenta even more by going through the changes, by going through the charges uh, so she let go of the bodyguard. Yeah, yeah didn't pursue the charges longer, I guess. Pimenta became depressed with the end of the relationship, depressed, quote-unquote, quotes, 
and he tried to quit his job, but the newspaper told him that to work less hours and take care of his mental health. Yeah, they're basically like, no, yeah, you're not no, you're not gonna quit. Okay. And they actually only uh, let go of him. I believe it was like ten days after the murder mm, or something. Nice. Like, yeah. Uh, so on Sunday, August twentieth. Sandra told her brother that they should go to the studs and, you know, play with the horses. And he was like, yeah, drive ahead with uh, the girls, her nieces, and I'll lock up the ranch because they were at uh, the parents' ranch. And he was like, I'll be right behind you. I just have to lock things up. So upon arriving at the studs, the girls got out of the car and they started looking for, like, bunnies to play with. Because, mm. you know, there's several animals there. And little girls love bunnies. And Sandra grabbed a brush so that she could brush Oceano. And unbeknownst to her, Pimenta was also there. They started arguing, and he tried to drag her into his Renault Clio. But she got away from him, yelling, No, Pimenta, no! And as she faced away from him, he shot her in the back of the neck. <gasps> yeah. She fell to the ground with her brush still, like, on her hand. And he got close to her and shot her again. The grounds the groundskeepers rushed to the scene where they found Sandra's body. Diomara said he saw Pimenta calmly drive away from the scene as if nothing had happened. Newton also drove by Pimenta's car on his way to the studs. When he arrived there, he realized everything was closed up. He called the groundskeepers and started walking around until he came face to face with his sister's body, which was covered by a plastic canvas. Sandra had been murdered approximately 10 minutes before. He even attempted to feel for her pulse upon seeing that uh, the bullet went on her head and he knew that she was dead. The police was called and thus began the hunt for Pimenta Nevis. Dude, it must feel so shitty to, like, see him drive away. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, and oh he says that, God. like, he drove by him and he didn't look worried. Like, and the groundskeeper also said that, like, he was, like, sort of smirking mm -hmm. when he drove away. So, there's some speculation that Pimenta uh, reached out to powerful allies, politicians, who aided in hiding him away from the cops. No, no doubt. Yeah. No uh, doubt. I think one of the people that was allegedly one of these allies was like the minister of justice or something like that. Yeah. However, on Tuesday, August 22nd, he was admitted to the ICU of the Hospital Albert Einstein oh, after God. overdosing in sleeping pills and leaving a suicide note to his daughters. He was this is the the, the fanciest the the best quote unquote hospital the best you know there's a lot of good hospitals but this is the rich person hospital so he was he tried to kill himself he was admitted to the fancy hospital the hotel hospital that it is because it looks like a fucking hotel inside <sighs> yeah uh but he obviously didn't die he was transferred to a different unit uh, within the hospital like the next day. And advised by his lawyer, Antonio Claudio Mariz de Oliveira, who the lawyer handed the gun to the police uh, on the 23rd. Mm. Uh, so under the advice of the lawyer, Pimenta confessed to the murder on August 24th, 
but he denied that he had premeditated anything. On hmm. August 25th, he was admitted to a psychiatric facility in Sao Paulo. No comments. Not premeditated, <laughs> yeah. This stuff just happened. Not at all. Not at all premeditated. You were not at the place where she housed her horses With on a, a day, gun. on a fucking weekend, where you knew that she was going to come and take care of her horses because she did this every week. So this was not planned at mm-hmm. all. So according to criminal expert Rosangela Monteiro, from, from the get-go, Pimenta planned on using an insanity plea to justify the murder. In order for that to work, he had to be admitted into a hospital under suspicious mental health circumstances. Therefore, I'm going to, quote, unquote, try to kill myself. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm so crazy. Yeah. And that's what crazy people do. They kill themselves. Yeah. (sighs) Rosangela also described Pimenta as having schizoactive personality, as someone who had the... Um, had a hard time relating to others and which is displayed like on his possessive feelings towards the object of his desire. So I guess he let himself be taken away by his feeling and thought, okay, so she isn't going to be with me. So she's not going to be with anyone else either. Yeah. And uh, this criminal expert, I didn't include this in the outline, mm-hmm. I'm just realizing, but uh, she even said that, like, a normal person who had not, pl- like, if he had killed her in the heat of the moment, he would have thrown the gun, like, on the ground and, like, run away, or mm-hmm. he would have been, like, so paralyzed by what he did that he would have just s- stood there and waited for police. And he didn't do any of those things. He brought the gun with him. He actually... Uh, she said that like wh- when he tried to drag her into the car, mm-hmm. she thinks that he was planning on taking her to a different location to murder her. Um, but it didn't work out because she got away. So he had to shoot her then and there. Anyway, so although Pimenta gave a detailed confession, as you would expect with a rich white man who was arrested in Brazil, this case dragged along for years. And we really mean years. To give you a sense of the length of time, here's a timeline of the case. On August 30th, 2000, an arrest warrant was issued for Pimenta. On March 2001, the Supreme Court revoked his preventative arrest. Nice. Then, on March 2006, he was sentenced to 19 years, 2 months, and 12 days for the murder. Mind you, he was free to come and go up until then. In May 2006, he appealed the sentence. In 2008, the appellate court of Sao Paulo reduced the sentence to 18 years. Then, in September 2008, the federal appellate court reduced the sentence yet again to 14 years, 10 months, and 3 days. Then, finally, in May of 2011, 11 years after this girl was brutally murdered, he was arrested at last. But, listeners, but, 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 on September 2013, he was granted a semi-open sentence. Oh, and then on October 2nd, 2016, he went under house arrest. Good job, Justice System. I recommend you guys listen to another episode we did a while ago on Hajar Abdelmasid, the 
the doctor that raped hundreds of women, the same thing happened to him. That the thing drags along, he runs away, no one can find him. Mysteriously, no one can find him. And then as soon as they find him, is he arrested? Uh, no. No. So these things, dude, it must be so nice to be rich and white. Like, I, I, I hope to experience that someday, but not because I'm going to murder someone <laughs> and try to get away with it. I just want to be rich. Yeah. Man, oh my god. I, I know, listeners, you're asking yourself, what the fuck? And well, we don't know what the fuck either. That's the thing. That's I think where the the kind of incredulity and being like, you know what, this where it comes from. The only explanation is that, like, it's rich people. That that's that's the explanation. It's a rich inflation person. Like that's it. You know, he has his jockey club buddies. They're as rich in, as he is, and they're all yeah, inflation. Plus, Even though like, he's like he a journalist. He went to law school, so he knows law school like, exactly. The exactly. <laughs> He went yeah. to, like, one of the best law schools in the country, so... Yeah. And the thing is, Sandra's family wasn't at all hopeful that Pimenta would stay in prison for very long. They were actually thinking that he wouldn't stay in prison at all. Like, once these things, they happen, it's like people, they expect nothing to happen, which is crazy, like, because this is a sentiment that, like, happens still here in the U.S., but, like, you still have a little bit of, like, you know due process and like you know it's not due process how's it called the the hope that justice will be served etc in brazil that does not exist which is mind-boggling but especially in cases like this there's very little hope like if the defendant is rich yeah yeah pimenta was the subject of an old law which stated that after serving a six one sixth of your sentence, you'll be eligible for a semi-open sentence, which we already explained here several times, which is a semi-open basically means you live at the jail, but you can go out and work. Yeah, you do go out during the day, day and come back. And yeah, sleep. but you have a curfew and have to go come back to jail at yeah, night and which sleep is, like, there. so tragic. Like, especially, yeah. like, if you murdered someone. Like, you definitely mm-hmm. deserve that. Mm-hmm. Yet, fucking poor people who steal so they can eat don't get semi-open sentences yeah. and i know that 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 exists to a degree here in the u.s too like i think epstein was in kind of a situation like this that he could work outside of jail but yeah, this uh, is literally jeffrey like, Dahmer was you under don't... that too yeah when he got uh when he molested when the he boy molested, he arrested. Yeah. that was like the type of sentence yeah i forget the name of it here i haven't taken criminal law so <laughs> yeah no, but this this guy he could literally go anywhere do whatever that was kind of that kind of situation. It was only in tw- it was only in two thousand seven. I almost said twenty seven. I was like, because no. I go, my brain goes twenty twenty or twenty seven. Sorry, two thousand seven. That he that the country passed a new legislation which punished heinous crimes and killing Sandra Pimenta not only ended her life but also her parents as they became severely ill afterwards. Her father also left his church following the crime scene. For, for following the crime, since he no longer had faith in his own future. And like this is really big because we've already told you, like Latins are fucking religious as hell. So for someone like an older person to leave church and to say that they have no faith, no faith, this is like really this is, big. This is bad. This is bad. Her parents were awarded compensatory damages in a civil suit, but 
we know that that doesn't really do much. Like, that's barely a band-aid. That's not. Mm-mm. We'll end this episode with a quote from her brother. I feel more sadness and anger. It's the type of sadness that you only know when you when it happens to you. The biggest lesson in all this to me is that we have to learn that unpleasant people can't be part of our lives. The further away you are from them, the better. Which I agree. I agree. I think that once you learn that most people in your life, if they're unpleasant, like it doesn't matter who they are, you don't have to deal with them. There's literally nothing. You don't have to deal with anyone. Like, and I get that that's her boss, whatever, and that's okay. But like, that's a really a work relationship, you know, having a boss that's a pain in the ass. It has a limit. It's not your whole life. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so obviously, there were a lot of red flags. We're not blaming Sundar for not no. seeing the red flags. I am one thousand percent sure that she saw them, but yeah. it might have been too late when she saw them. She might have felt like. Okay, well, I know this is wrong, but, like, I don't have a way out of this. Yeah, and I know this is wrong, but I know he's a good guy, and I know that deep down he has a good heart. You know, you rationalize things. Yeah, you try to rationalize it, and, like, you know, it's, like, awful. Like, she was getting ready to come to New Orleans and Mm. study, um, I think it was jazz history. Uh, She was going to try to become, like, a go into a different type of journalism Mm -hmm. so she was like getting ready for that like if only she hadn't um laid off the bodyguard because like literally five days after she got rid of the bodyguard yeah and i wonder if he knew no he he totally knew yeah like i need to get this done fast like she's gonna go to the u.s and i know what's in new orleans he totally knew because he tapped her phone so yeah that's true that's true yeah well that's why i say that's why i say you only communicate through train doves (laughs) you know you have to have a cold language like my family and i we i wouldn't say we have a cold language but like there's my mom's a little bit paranoid about the nsa hearing certain (laughs) things so sometimes she'll be like i'll tell you in person about you know the blue jacket or something like that and i'm like oh okay i know what she's talking about my mom she's like that too a little bit like my mom she ever since we were little like i remember like sitting down with like piles of like schoolwork and us having to like cross out our names because she was like someone's gonna go through trash across the lot and then you have to like we were shredding like tests from school as if like I mean, people are going to steal your identity. Yeah, let me steal the identity. Someone's of going this first to the trash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's a nine year old. That's a very valuable. That's a very valuable idea for us to have. But yeah. So let me do shout out. Shout out. Again, uh, I am not at all uh, equipped to be doing shout outs because I am an idiot. Oh, shout mm-hmm. out! The first shout out that I'm gonna do today is actually to my friend Lauren. She just hey, re- yeah, she released a new podcast. It's called Trio and Media, and it's really good. I believe it's available in all the platforms. So give her a listen. Lauren's mm-hmm. super cool. Um, don't tell her I said that, though. Well, I guess if she's listening to this, she knows. Lauren, you're not cool. I hate you. Um, Maddie, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. I'm also Stephanie. 
uh, Natalia, Ana, <laughs> Emily, who's also my friend. Hi, Emily. Uh, Liel, Caroline, Luisa, Abby and Ellie. Oh my god, I love the name of your podcast. Following you. Their, their podcast is called Queers for Fears. Oh my god. I love this. Oh uh, my god. Leon, Isabella, Thais, Natty, Christine, Rachel, Maria, Destiny, Anne, Pirate Fish, Eddie, uh, The Yellow Side, Panpa Lechuga, love your username. Amazing username. And Warla, welcome to the Suspiria family, oh, people. Did you talk about You Jojo? get a prize. Hmm? Did you talk about Jojo? Oh, right. Yes, Jojo. Fuck. Most important child of the week, Jojo. So. Yes, yes, Jojo. I need to respond to your email. Yeah, we forgot, about forgot your email, Jojo. Sorry. Sorry. I- I'm really <laughs> bad. Yo, I'm sorry. If you message the Suspiria page and all of that, and I, I don't answer or Carol doesn't answer Message our personal page because I don't know about Carol, but on my phone I have notifications off for everything. Me too. Uh, we really I, it's very neglected. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I don't uh, sign into the Suspiria um, profiles very often, so I don't see things. Yeah, like the other day, I answered a message that was a month old, and I was like, "This is awkward," but like I don't, I don't click on things, and yeah. especially because the messages go to requested and. Instagram doesn't always tell you that you have a message Right? It sucks, man. So, anyway. um, Make sure to like us on Facebook. Leave us an Apple Podcast review. Mm -hmm. Send us money. uh, Contribute to my Patreon. Patreon.com slash tits for Tesla. And yeah. (laughs) We'll see you. We'll see you soon, hopefully. (laughs) Carol, do you want to say your catchphrase? (laughs) (laughs) my catchphrase <laughs> oh my god i hope you guys have a good end of the world i hope you guys don't die by election <laughs> yeah uh, yeah hopefully we won't die by election uh halloween is tomorrow this is probably gonna go out tonight mm-hmm. hopefully uh anyway later haters ciao leaders ciao thank you for listening to another episode of suspiria a true crime podcast If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information, please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, you can follow her at Suspiria Carol. And you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at suspiriapodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao! Suspiria.